1: Imagine what he could
0: have accomplished if he had the best interest of, if those people around him had the best interest of our hearts and our minds as Americans to be on the same team as him. Because he he is a patriot first and foremost, but imagine what we could have accomplished if people, we would have taken this thing and put it on steroids, make America great again, boom. But he didn't have that. He didn't have anything close to it. Everybody came after him, hook, line, and sinker and hit him, sucker punched him in the gut every chance they can and dragged his family through the mud upside down backwards. That's why good people don't get involved in this dirty game of politics. And that's what they want. They want to scare good people away. Having said all that, let me bring on now Dr. Paul Alexander joins me. He is an epidemiologist. He's a former senior advisor to COVID pandemic policy uh, at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, throughout the COVID, he was there and he had a unique viewpoint to see what was taking place. All right, Dr. Alexander, I got two, I got, you know, I referenced those two points. I just want to ask you right out, because I don't know what you're thinking is about these things, but, but I want to ask you, listen, um, the, the, the two points to clarify here having the right people around you, putting the wrong people in those positions. To me, that was a colossal mistake with the administration. And I think that's first and foremost was the big problem. And the second, not clearing some of the deep state out of there, which is I know it's tough to do. It's easier said than done, but sometimes you got to bite the bullet. What do you say to those two things, Dr. Alexander?
1: Uh, hello, Malcolm. Thanks once again for having me on your show. I'm always impressed by by the guests that you have on, on the topics, and um, and and how you speak. So, look, let me let me respond to you this way. Who could survive twenty four seven the media, academia, the deep state, the rhinos, the Democrats, constantly? hammering away at you, smearing you, slandering you, slandering your family, your good wife, the first lady, your son, your family, 24-7. Trump had to deal with that. That year he came down, 2015, the escalator. Then his four years of presidency, that's five, plus the last two years under Biden, they won't stop. They even impeached him twice for nothing. You have to understand how great President Trump was. And I'm not trying to sell them to you because I, I am of the belief that you can't put all of your eggs in one savior. We can't be looking for that one savior to come along and save us, save the world. Sometimes we we could cobble together that savior, by a little bit from everybody and find what we need because we cannot put that kind of power into the hands of one person and make them into something that they're not. But the reality is, Trump had a four-year term. The first two years of his term, the Speaker of the House then, Paul Ryan, devastated Trump. He would not allow any legislative accomplishments. He was working against President Trump. I mean, everybody, you saw it on the, on the, on the television yeah. daily. Trump fought him. So Trump couldn't do anything legislatively properly to the House. Now, at the same time, year four was the pandemic. That was a wash because that was a disaster. You have to look at President Trump only in year three, his third year, that one year. In that one year, Trump accomplished ev- Trump accomplished things that the media never reported. Thousands of actions he took that nobody knew. That was reducing the regulation on the economy, was reducing the regulation in the society. A lot of foreign uh, foreign major accomplishments um everything he did with the economy lowest unemployment 3.4 percent lowest across African Americans Latinos women all groups lowest unemployment highest labor participation rate empowerment zones everything you need to understand that Trump did that in one year Obama had eight and could not do the things that Trump did for African Americans in one year. And the reality is, to answer your question directly, is this. His problem was he was not from the deep state. He was not from the swamp of Washington. He trusted the people that were appointed to lead those agencies. So he trusted Han. He trusted Redfield. He trusted Fauci. He didn't know them. Trump was not a doctor or scientist. So he had to trust. But the problem is, all of those people in the task force, plus many people that were appointed, the decisions that he made and in, in retrospect were, were wrong decisions because these people didn't support him. They were there for their own benefits and they undercut him. But more importantly, Malcolm, is this. From being there, I can tell the listener this. I can tell you this. That we had a situation where Fauci and his team, so Anthony Fauci, Deborah Burks and her team and all of those inside people who were actually, you see, the people don't understand. Trump didn't run the pandemic response. He delegated that authority to Fauci and Burks. The lockdowns and school closures were not Trump's, it was it was the task force and specifically Fauci and Burks. That was a catastrophic mistake because they were subverting him. And the problem is this very important because I was there. On a daily basis, they would threaten us. They would threaten his administration with leaking. And that was the fear because Washington runs on leaks. The whole thing is on leaks. Which media who could find out something about someone and leak it first? And then the other side have to fix that leak by leaking a fix to that leak. If you sit down and you watch Washington daily, Go on Fox, one on Facebook, whatever news media you look at, it's only about leaks. Who can leak? And Fauci and they would threaten us. I was there. I was sitting in conversations. Fauci's team, they would say, we would leak by this evening that you are Muslim Fauci. So they would want to do something that we knew was going to hurt Trump. And we would try to curtail the situation and not control it, but rearrange it in such a way that you're, not, you, you're going to hurt America. You're hurting the pandemic response. They didn't care about that. They would say, well, by this evening, four o'clock, Fauci on CNN is going to leak that you tried to muzzle him today and Trump was muzzling him. That was a major problem because we couldn't afford, Trump couldn't afford his administration. That You remember, Malcolm, he was trying to thread the finest needle you could ever thread he was trying to run his reelection with a pandemic dropped in his lap who does that in his ele- reelection year yeah. that is impossible for anyone you need to sit back and understand you couldn't do it i couldn't do it who could no one with with a with a adversive, with a with an aggressive press yeah. 24/7 not giving you time to breathe yeah. not giving you any accomplishments
0: yeah let me, right where you're at at this point now, uh, Paul, here's what I'd like to talk to you on is, I'm putting myself in the shoe of what you just say, um, yes. being Donald yes. Trump at the, okay at that point, right? So now you're in this role as, I mean, let's think of the weight of being the president of the United States of America, okay? All right? Yes. You have that weight on your shoulders. It's a new role, more or less. It's not something you know, like the back of your hand, the power you amass and have accessibility to is endless you're now put in this position you remember back when the when the uh, this uh, pandemic came out of the Wuhan lab in china and I, and I reported on it Paul even before it hit our landscape here in America before January February back in November December we knew that was transpiring I reported on it on this broadcast on the voice of a nation about the weirdities and the oddities of the crematoriums burning in China and the massive people that were dying and all for this virus what had transpired I reported on it you know this is before anybody here was talking about it so I know what was taking place Mm -hmm. all of that was happening so there were a lot of unknowns i remember the scary moment that we all everybody across the spectrum the doctors the medical doctors everybody nobody really knew what the hell this was it was like what, what? i mean we had never lived through anything like this in our lifetime and we we weren't here in 1917 1918 and 1919 with that pandemic so we, we never seen anything like this and it was like this thing is like I remember when the UPS packages used to come out in the mail. Don't touch the mail. Don't touch the boxes. Put that over there and let that sit for a couple of days. And we were doing some pretty insane (laughs) stuff, you know, locking down the, uh, locking down the dog park in the neighborhood, the take of the basketball courts out, stay home. I mean, this stuff got weirder and it was like a futuristic science movie gone wrong and it was happening in real life. And, So you think about that. And I thought about if I was the president and then you have some of these advisors. Now, the first statement I made and I said to you, is this accurate? Having the wrong people around you can be um, a cataclysmic uh, disaster. In the case of Trump, it it, it could just shoot everything in the foot. That on top of all the leaks and the problems of the people who were out to get Trump and didn't like his agenda of uh, making America great again, um, I mean, it has a nice ring to it, but they d- surely didn't like it. That was all a problem. So now the president, what I think happened is he he and his mind weighed. Uh, this, this is what I'm guessing, Paul. Now you tell me. This is what I'm thinking. So Donald says to himself, and I talk to myself, we all talk to ourselves. So I know he talked to himself. He probably said to himself, OK, Don, what are you going to do here? OK, so do I stand up in the face of these so-called experts burks and fauci etc 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 et cetera. and do i say we're not going to do that we're not going to have the lockdown and what if this thing is all of that and it tears us apart and people are dying by the millions what will happen then i would i would not have done my duty i will go down in uh, flames the country will go down in flames so now these experts are telling him no you got to do this and i'm right now i'm talking here about the birth of Operation Warp Speed, getting all these vaccines out, which histo- history shows. Now, Donald Trump didn't know when Don's talking to himself. He didn't know this, Paul. But those people who were talking to him in this ear damn well did know this. They knew you can't turn a vaccine on like you go into a room and flip a switch. There were no trials done. No, no experimentation was done. They just put these things out in the light and day experimental and said, OK, go have had them. What the hell could possibly go wrong with that
1: scene? Right, Paul? Correct. Exactly. And that's the point. If you sit back and think about Trump, think about what he was facing. And I'm trying to explain it again, having been there and speaking to people and watching. This is the issue. The issue is when he arrived and he started to take tone, and by the time the pandemic came, we, him, he began to realize with the CDC and NIH and FDA, These are some of the most corrupted agencies and organizations in the world. So he wanted to fire 100 top down across the board, from the top all the way down. But the problem with that, Malcolm, is this. Quickly, quickly, the deep state message to him, quickly, if you do that, that task force and the media is going to go 24-7 and blast that you are the most reckless, dangerous person. You're going to kill Americans. You see, that was the problem. Yeah. He was facing that message daily that we were being threatened from the communication room side of it, that we're going to leak, that you are causing the deaths of people. So he was always jacketed. That's the point. And sometimes he should have just gone with his gut yeah. and just moved. So his gut instinct was no lockdowns. I can tell you, no lockdowns, nothing. He should have like listened
0: that. to Donald Trump, is what you're saying. He should listened... have listened to yeah. Donald Trump. He I mean, when you talk to yourself, it. sometimes you gotta to listen to yourself, right? Right? I yes. Mean, I know. And I know. and
1: and what he did was all of these people around him, yeah, who came at him and then imposed on him Fauci and books. he didn't appoint them. He almost inherited them. And that's what a lot of investigations have to show. They came under pens. So Trump went along because here he saw. Anthony Fauci, yeah. Stephen Hahn, Robert Redfield, these are big people in their agencies and accomplished yeah. doctors. Who is Donald Trump? So he in his mind he yeah. said, Well, you know, if I question them, a legitimate argument by people in the public will be, but Trump, you're not a doctor. You're not a scientist. Exactly. exactly. Are you crazy? Yeah. Yeah. So that's how they jammed him up. Yeah. So so if they were good people, here's the yeah. point. Yeah. He would not have been in trouble Amen. because they would have been doing the right thing, but they were subverting him. So he was trusting people who were subverting him. And that is why we end up That's
0: now. such an important point to get out here. Now I want to ask you a couple of real quick things here at a round table. So if, all right, if we if we had to do this all over again, knowing what we know now, and I just want to ask you straight out, in your opinion in in, in Dr. Paul Alexander's opinion, would Donald Trump have done the lockdown had he had a chance to do it again? Would he have done the lockdown?
1: Based on what he knows now? Right. Never. Because he would have understood that the, the optimal, the best way, this is where we've done it all along for hundreds of years, is you properly double down and triple down protection of the vulnerable persons in your society. That is who you focus on. And you allow the rest of society to live largely okay. unfettered lives, no intrusion by the government, no lockdowns. We had the science. We had the science. We had publications, we had research to shows, no lockdowns, no school closures, none of it. Every single one of those things. And Yet they did
0: the opposite, Paul. They did the opposite, which was uh, unbelievable. It's like they were out to really, you know, they knew Trump would win another election. Everybody in that program knew things were before COVID. This country was flying high. He would have overwhelmingly swept the floor with anybody. I mean...
1: well, right. well, look, well, look, well, look, Malcolm. Look, I'm telling it to you. You know, I, I, I've had to sign confidentiality agreements and privilege agreements and all sorts of stuff. And there are things that I will never be able to say. But I can say this: in around January of 2020, when they looked at the internal polls, when when Trump administration looked at the internal, the proper polls, not Fox or CNN and those garbage polls. We talking about proper polls. Trump was unstoppable. There was no one in the Republican side that could prime him. No one in Democrat, even when they modeled with Biden, etc. He was on pace to win about three hundred and seventy-five to two hundred eighty electoral votes with about forty-three states. Believe it or not, Trump unstoppable. Something happened from around March 15, when we locked down to when that election happened, and I and I've tried to tell people. Listen, I supported him and I loved him. And whoever gets the nomination, I'm going to work with people to rally behind them. Amen. But you need to understand something. Yes, I, I believe, I believe there's always monkey business from by whomever at election time. If people can steal votes, they would. I would see on both sides even. But I, I need people to understand something. The lockdowns and the school closures hurt President Trump. And I do not think he understood how much it hurt him, yeah. and um, it was reflected in the elections also. All right, and that's- all right,
0: all right. So now we've got that aside, and thank you for answering that question on uh, on you know, on on the uh, the lockdowns and all of that. Now another thing, if he knew today what he if he knew it then what he knows today, do you think he would have initiated this Operation Warp Speed? with the uh, pronouncement of vaccines if knowing what the data is right now and the damage done would he have done that is the question now don't don't answer that now keep it right there Uh, i'm going to have you answer that just after a a quick pause here um let me just tell listeners here we're speaking to dr paul alexander now i really want to tell you about his new book Uh, This is exciting. I mean, it's it's new. I mean, it's just got out there. So listen to this. It's called "Presidential Takedown: How Anthony Fauci, the CDC, NIH, and the WHO conspired to overthrow President Trump." Listen to that title, friends. Listen to it. Presidential Takedown. How Anthony Fauci, the CDC, NIH, and the WHO conspired to overthrow President Trump. You know, when I seen the title, and I started to talk to, you know, talking to Dr. Paul Alexander about this, I mean, this title really spoke to me, you know, and then in speaking to Dr. Alexander, I mean, I just knew there was something big here that he knew, because this is the way, listen, listen, this is how I have felt all along. When I opened it up in my points with my model. I mean, the the conversation we're talking about right now, none of this is rehearsed. I haven't talked to Dr. Paul Alexander about any of this off mic. This is all as I always do with you. It's it's spontaneity. It's I don't know what he's going to say. He could tell me I'm full of you know what. You know I'm this and that. I don't know, but I know I I know my own gut feelings and I know what transpired and I reported on it throughout and I know what happened here. And so now I, I ask that pivotal question, which I'll, I'll ask Dr. Alexander again in moments here, uh, you know, being a straight shooter here, you know, the operation warp speed and all these vaccines. And and, I, and I'll tell you why I think it's a bit of a problem. And I'll tell you about that, too, in just moments here. But anyway, so that book, again, is in it's first of all, it's where any bookstores sell. It's surely an Amazon. It's in the America Out Loud bookstore, to be sure. Uh, that bookstore there now. If you go to AmericaRotloud.com, right in the menu, you'll see the bookstore. Click that, go in there, and you'll you'll see uh, Dr. Paul Alexander's book. It's also on the front page of AmericaRotloud.com as you listen to this um, program here on Talk Radio. On the right sidebar, a column on the front page of America Out Loud and throughout the site, actually, there's a whole series of books that we're talking about on Talk Radio at the moment. They're all very topical. And those, they change up every few days because that's the stuff we're talking about. So you'll see Dr. Paul Alexander's book accessible right there from the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. I encourage you to get the book read it. Get the inside story is what we're talking about here, basically. Uh, you know, writing a book is a big endeavor, and one like this is a huge endeavor. Or as Trump would say, huge, right? something like that. But anyways, it's a big story, friends, and you want to get up to speed on that to be sure here. Listen, as we pause here, I want to remind you, as we've been doing throughout these programs, about nasal hygiene is so important. I will say to you, and, and I'll ask Dr. Alexander this later as well, it, it, this, is what I'm, this is me talking now, But I, and I really believe this. At the beginning of the pandemic, if we had given every American just D3, 5,000 IUs of D3 or even 10,000 uh, IUs of D3 I'm inexpensive. We're talking nothing here. The cost of a life? Yeah. If we've given everybody vitamin D3 at the beginning of this thing with nasal hygiene, what I'm going to tell you about right now, the, the question we'll ask him is how many lives would he have saved? <laughs> Do you have a calculator handy, friends? <laughs> a lot. A lot. I mean, this thing was always preventable. Early treatment was always workable. Even for those with comorbidities and elderly who were most uh, compromised from this, you see, what happened here, what transpired, my fellow Americans, is a sick, terrible, horrible, rigid joke on humanity. That's why people all the time talk about Nuremberg 2.0 and what that really means. And you can connect the dots in your own mind and figure that out, what they're saying. But I know I went through it with my own wife. I mean, w- we almost lost her. And the, and the hospital wanted to give her remdesivir. They started to. And I said, you, I had an attorney on standby. So I know the story we're talking about firsthand. I know it all too well. Believe me. So anyways, cofixrx.com rx.com uh, forward slash out loud. Now, cofix is a nasal hygiene Put a couple squirts in your left nostril and your right nostril. Get that in there. Do it a couple of times and let it come in and spit it out out of your mouth or whatever. Get get the pathogens, the superbugs. The, uh, it helps with mold. It helps with uh, SARS-CoV-2. It kills the pathogens. See, the problem is the pathogens get in our respiratory tract. And then if they get in our respiratory tract and they get into our lungs, that's when people succumb and get into these awful situations where they're put into these... Uh, intubators and end up in a medical coma situation. Very, very horrible situation. Uh, You've got to keep that away from your loved ones in that way. Nasal hygiene will go a long way to that. Another one is clear X L E A R that's made with xylitol. Another one that will kill all the pathogens we're speaking about here today. That one is available in pharmacies and drug stores nationwide. It's really, really good. But the uh, cofix RX has povidine iodine. And if you're in the sick mode, that's a good one to take. And I like to clear for more of a maintenance kind of thing with the xylitol. If that makes sense, that's what what I have seen. But make the decision that's best for you. There's a lot of research and uh, findings you can find on this on the websites and all. Those links are right back at AmericaOutloud.com. You'll see the clear one and you'll see the cofix one. Link those and go. But anyways, get some nasal hygiene. Everybody in your family and your circle of people you love should have a bottle of their own nasal hygiene. If the federal government had done that back in 2020, at the beginning of this pandemic, I would venture to say to you, we'd have saved so many lives, the numbers would have been totally, totally different just from an inexpensive bottle of nasal hygiene and vitamin D3. And there are other things like zinc and other things we could take. And I'm not talking about if you got real sick and well, you needed ivermectin and things like that or... Hydroxychloroquine and all the other things we're talking about, early early protocol, the McCullough protocol, or the F- F- FCC, all of that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, but I'm talking about just basic things for the rest of us who are pretty healthy and just needed to stay away from this thing getting into our respiratory tract and lungs, which is what it did to my wife, and uh, that caused some real problems. All right, that's that's enough of that. But I wanted to give you that information again. The book will will continue on with Dr. Paul Alexander here in just moments here. You're listening to the Voice of a Nation. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. Cold and flu season is here. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to minimize airborne viral threats? Well, now there is, and it's a povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray called CoFix RX. You might even say it's just what the doctor ordered to reduce your chance of getting hurt. You wear a safety belt when you're driving. To limit sun damage, you wear sunscreen on the beach. CoFix RX is just like that. It's an additional layer of protection. It's sold by thousands of pharmacists and medical doctors nationwide. It's made right here in the USA. Again, it's a pulvidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray. You've heard them talk about it here on the Outloud Network over and over again. Check out cofixrx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com for a retailer near you or use coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off at cofixrx.com. Visit GenesisFolger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Volger with promo code OutLoud. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. People often ask me, Malcolm, how do we fight the corruption? Robert Frost has said it best. Freedom lies in being bold. Well, for six incredible years, bold is America Out Loud. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Welcome back to the broadcast here. It is Malcolm Out Loud, yours truly, and uh, the voice of the nation. So, Dr. Alexander, I asked the question about the uh, uh well okay so I asked you the one question about the lockdowns you answered that the other question I asked which is a pretty loaded conversation the operation warp speed the vaccines one of the problems I had that I thought would be a problem for Donald Trump after the fact and again I can only speak the facts and the truth here uh, Paul uh, uh, What uh, they are what they are but one of the things I noticed in. Uh, back a few months back, he hasn't talked about it in a while that I recall, but I remember him sort of doubling down, saying that this is one of his one of his best accomplishments, the Operation Warp Speed and the vaccines. Now, I think he's talking about, in his mind, the execution of it. That's my guess. I don't really know. I think he's talking about the execution of how he did A, B, C, D, E, and F. I, I hope he's not talking about the success of the vaccines and the success that that program has, because... The results of that program has been an abject failure of uh, the vaccines across the board, and the Operation Warp Speed. I think the business application that you did something okay, great, but the cause it harm the the harm it caused was was uh, multitudes of uh, of many. I'm asking you, this is a tough conversation, but if he had to do it all over again, would he have pulled the lever for that Operation Warp Speed and and and, and uh, embraced all those vaccines, knowing what they've caused now? Or do you think he's really understands the problem at this point?
1: Well, I mean, first of all, Malcolm, you did a good, uh, a good explanation there. And the, the reality is, who know Who can speak for an individual? So Donald Trump had his own thinking, but we on the outside could look on and come to our own conclusions too. I think that um, the reality is based on all that we know today, the science, the data, the evidence is accumulated on the lack of effectiveness and the harms, even deaths from these shots. I mean way more. Way more. I mean all of the of the vaccines in the United States, all 70 to 72 of them that are administered across America every year, every year for everything from measles, every single vaccine. If you look at the harm data for the last 30 years, three zero all of the vaccines, this COVID gene injection vastly outnumbers the amount of harms and deaths. It is devastating. So I know if President Trump had to do it over again, he would say no. Because I think where he was fooled is this. They fooled him. And And look, you said we're a heavy topic. And we are, we are adults here. We're having a serious, serious, very, very brutal conversation. They told him, President Trump, boy, we could take a 15-year process to develop this vaccine and bring it to you in four months. Now, you know President Trump, whether you know him personally or you know him from just looking on at him and his life. He's a flamboyant person, a lot of strength, personality, and, and ego, and he wants success. This was a person who loves America is a person loves the flag loves the anthem loves the constitution loves military police and he wants to do good and he wanted to do good so he wanted to fix this pandemic they came to him this, i'm talking to you this is paul alexander speaking to people they came to him in my opinion now after everything i've seen and know and i have biological biowarfare training from johns hopkins also They came to him with a fraud pandemic. This was not a pandemic. They came to him with a fraud, fraud pandemic response. We needed no lockdowns, no school closures, no business closures, no mass mandates, nothing, zero. Just protect the elderly and let society live normally. Use early treatment, use vitamin D3 as needed, and keep vitamin D3 levels up. That's all we needed to do. But they came to him with a fraud, and he bought it. You know why? Because he wanted to save his people. You see, there's a Donald Trump that operated here. And I would have been him if it was me. And I didn't know what was going on. Like, he didn't. He was not a scientist or a doctor. And you presented to him, look, you could save America. You could save all these lives we tell you going to be lost. They were lying to him and spooking him with all of this flawed, fraud, PCR test. With his 95% false positives, but he bought it. And Berks and they were showing him these graphs every day, and he he thought, "crap, all these people getting infected, and they're telling me millions gonna die. I I want to I want to save everyone. I love my people, my America. Plus, you add his ego onto that, and they told him, President Trump, boy, you could get the Nobel Prize. You will go down in history solving this pandemic." We could bring this vaccine in two to three months. If I was Trump sitting down in that chair three years ago, I'd look at them and say, bring it. Bring it even faster because I'm going to save lives and I would be known as the one to fix this, but we're saving lives. But that's what we're talking about here, Malcolm. We're saying, had Trump knew, known back then that this vaccine was a fraud, would have been inefficacious, ineffective, and would have killed, the people, and be such a threat, he would have then, three years ago, sitting in that chair, he would have got up, kicked Anthony Fauci in his nuts, and physically thrown Deborah Brooks out of the office. That's what I thought would have happened, but he just didn't know.
0: You know, thank you. Um, thank you for your honesty. Always, I know you to be an honest man, but thank you for being so open and trustworthy with listeners, with the truth, Paul. I, I really appreciate it, Um you, you deliver it very, very well. I like the way you phrase this. And you. I believe you're accurate. And yes. I think history will show what you just said. History will document this. It's going to take some time for history to become history. But it will document what you say as they look back at this. They will also look at President Trump being potentially the most consequential president in the yes. history of our union. Yeah, Amazing. in one year. Yeah, in yeah. one year. That's right. That's right. I hear you, brother. I hear you. So here's a big, here's a big crux now. As we turn this corner now, so yes. here, here, here's the, here's the hard thing now. And I don't know what you'll say to all this, but I'm wondering. I'm very, very curious. So these people like that were running the, uh, the, the these operations, the HHS, the, the, the CIA, the FBI, all of these, uh, the, uh, the, the um, Human Health Services, the all of the programs, um, uh, CDC, who, uh, you name it, you name it. So let's say the Fauci's, the Birx's, all of the others. Now we got the Walensky, you know, whatever. Um, What do you think their ultimate motive is? This is a hard one. I I know it's hard to, I know it's difficult, Paul, to look in anybody's heart to really know. And I'm, I'm not suggesting we do that specifically, but I mean, your gut reaction, your opinion is what I'm asking for more or less. Do, was was there um well
1: was there uh malfeasance
0: yeah I guess I mean I'm, I'm looking for the right words here yeah what was t- talk to me what, what is it
1: well I look at it from this point of view right uh-huh. you have to say this was a level of incompetence and ineptness that defies law is breathtaking and you also have to say, This is malfeasance at some level. Why? How could we say that? Well, Malcolm, two weeks out of the gate, by around the end of March, two weeks after we had lockdown in America, we were already getting data from across the world and already accumulating in Europe, China, in America itself, that the lockdowns were going to be catastrophically harmful. The school closures would cause children to commit suicide, which they did. Business closures would cause business owners to commit suicide, which they did. We had data showing us quickly that a 1% increase in unemployment translated to a 1.3% increase in suicide. So when Trump closed in March 15th, we were at 3.4% unemployment. Instantly we went to 20%. That 17% drop, jump, jump. We knew it was going to be a 17% jump in suicides off the bat just like that so we knew what we were facing and the reality about it is that when you look at it you have to ask yourself these people don't love america they couldn't love america they couldn't love the country and the people in america and we gave them the data malcolm myself dr mccullough dr rich also the dapo we were hammering them i was on the inside I'm telling people here, this is not public information, but I can tell you this. In my little office at the HHS, I worked with Redfield and Hahn and all these people. They had sub-offices in my building Damn. because they had to be in striking distance to the Capitol for hearings. So they just had to cross the street from my building and uni-capital. Um, These people got information from me daily. I emailed them science daily. Not, not government science, Scientists from all over the world who Mm. i worked with were sending me information on COVID, on treatments. And I was giving it to Han. I was giving it to Redfield. The problem is they can't say they did not know. And that's why when we say there's some culpability and malfeasance here, it is not that they could turn around after three years and say, you know what, we now get to understand the science and we now see we made some mistakes. They knew this three years ago. McCullough's been hammering them. Rich, myself, we're going on every show, mm-hmm. every rally. They knew it. They just decided they're not going to listen to what we're saying. Yeah. So if you're not listening to the science and the real data, and we've seen deaths accumulating, and you're not using early treatment, and you're using a vaccine that's killing people, yet we're showing you that the vaccine killing people, mm-hmm. I have to conclude that they have some kind of malevolence in you. You can't be that stupid. That's how I look at life. It's a combination of ineptness and 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 malevolence, and the question is why, and that's why I have realized, Malcolm, that in America they have two sets of people. They have people who love the country, right. love everything about America, and they have other people who America is just normal and is even a sub a, a a a suboptimal nation. There's nothing worth fighting for, and they will even harm it if it can benefit them. And that's what has happened. These people made money, Malcolm. Money. You need to understand yeah, yeah. that we have the evidence to show that hospitals were incentivized to the tune of about 500,000 US each COVIDized patient. Right. We are talking about if you sent granny to the emergency room and granny really didn't have COVID or granny was positive, but granny really was not deadly ill, All granny needed was early treatment. What they did was suck granny into that black hole, put her into a room in the back of that hospital. You could have never seen your parent anymore. They'd isolate her. In misery, she'd begin to die. Why? They would sedate her with diamorphine and midazolam. Midazolam is a paralytic we give people when we executing them. That's what paralyzes them first. We gave our elderly that. And then we pumped them with remdesivir which we showed them the science. It was kidney and liver toxic. And it was a failed Ebola drug. And it was killing people. They didn't care in the hospitals. It was remdesivir or the wazoo. And when they were finished with that, they were intubating our elderly and then ventilating them. And we showed them that the ventilator was blowing holes in their lungs. The lungs were so traumatized. They didn't care. That's why when Cuomo, the governor of New York, much as I disdain his politics, he said something two and a half years or so ago, when all of those people in New York were dying and they were calling for ventilators everywhere. He said, in a, I was listening to him in one of his interviews. He said, I just don't understand why everyone who goes on the ventilator dies. People didn't understand that he was correct. He's a Democrat, but he's correct. I'm telling you, I give him credit, at least for saying it. We did not follow up on what he said. The ventilators killed our people, killed them. And at the end of it, that hospital wrote the government a bill for 500,000 bucks. That's a fact for each one of those patients I just told you about. So they made money. That's the point. Doctors made money. They made money by... You don't need to make money by getting direct cash. I could incentivize you in so many ways. They made money by not losing their jobs. And what, would, what does that mean? That means the doctors could keep their jobs... And deny you a script for your medical exemption, a religious exemption. And if you, and, and deny giving you that script and you lose your job. So their job was to not give you any exemptions so they could keep theirs. And in doing that, you lose yours because you're refusing the vaccine. So that's how you incentivize doctors to just to keep their jobs. And then many of them made money. It's a perverse, brutal thing. But COVID did. COVID revealed the underbelly of society. It revealed the rot. It revealed how unhealthy we are as a society. But it revealed in people the bad things about people. Even medical doctors shocked us. It showed us how incompetent they are. And it also showed us that they would stand on the side of governments and bureaucrats and technocrats and not on the side of their patients. And do everything to save their lives. They mm-hmm. let people die, right. denying early treatment. Right. Eight hundred thousand Americans died. So
0: when we say the why or the who, the why and the who, people have been trying to find the smoking gun here. You know that trying to find out who's behind this, who's behind that, uh, the 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 curtain, who's behind the curtain, uh, who's who who is the who, who is why is the why, the, these kinds of things, which you referenced a moment ago here. Your explanation is eye-opening. Your, your truthful answers there, and, and here's what I visualize. I visualize Dr. Paul Alexander in that office, the HHS office, across from the Capitol. I visualize all this information coming in. I visualize Dr. Paul looking at this information and saying, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Here's the stats. Here's the figures. Here's the data. Something doesn't add up. Sending it yes. on to, again, Redfield and, uh, yes. and all these people uh, that you're, I totally get it. Han, send it on to Han, send yes. it on to all of the cats. I see that happening. I see you. And I said because, you know, the one thing people, they hear you, they hear your voice. Uh, Paul, there's no doubt in my mind, you're, you're like, you're the kind of person like me uh, in the way that we're not for sale. We're very principle driven. Yeah, we're very principle. Right. Am I right? You're very principle driven. Correct. And you're not for sale. You you put a human life and humanity in front of this nonsense of greed, which brings me to the question of the point is this rather than the who or the why and how this all connects together, uh, or a whatever, a conspiracy to do harm, or why they all fell into that cookie cutter, or what happened to the healthcare medical doctor, do no harm. What happened to the Hippocratic? Oath? What happened to this? What happened to that? You know. I so put that all over there, and I'm just wondering, Doctor Paul Alexander, you know, is it a simple? I don't know. Could it be? I, I don't. I don't know the answer to this, but could it be just simple, old-fashioned greed? Could it just be? You know. Remember, we're always on the planet here. In my words, fighting good and evil, good and evil. It's a daily fight, good and evil. You're either fighting the good fight or you're or you fall down into the evil pit, to the black hole, as you call it. It's one or the other. Is this just, could this be, is is there any way this could be just a sense of greed, a sense of all that money you just said that was falling from the sky, free government money for everybody? And that there really was no who, what, where, why, or somebody behind the curtain making these decisions? Is that possible?
1: I I, I don't think it's possible. I, I think, I do think that there are malevolent people with grand designs on America, um, to break America. I do believe that. And it's before even COVID, we lived in America. We, we we see. We watch the politics, we see what's going on. But I think I think Malcolm, I think that I mean, I'm trying to answer the question, but I'm giving you even more than you asked me. Yes, it is greed, but I'm I'm saying this. Somewhere in the past, in twenty fifteen, there was a paper published by Menachari et al with, with Barack and these guys and they documented a study that they did in 2015 mm-hmm. Menachari that they actually created this COVID, this COVID virus yeah. in the lab in Wuhan working with North Carolina Chapel Hill people okay. and they published a paper that was shocking Dr. McCullough always references it, and he I does. always references it. Yeah. McCullough because always
0: references this, that paper. Yeah.
1: In this paper, they told us yeah. they just created the COVID virus. Yeah. They just created a pandemic potential. They checked it. It does not work against vaccines. It does not work against any monoclonal antibodies, and it is pandemic potential and deadly. I am of the belief, Malcolm, that somewhere after 2015, these people were playing around with this and juicing up these coronaviruses to figure out how lethal and infectious they could create it. Mm -hmm. And I believe somewhere around then, it got loose. So much so that I believe this virus, some version of it the earlier, was circulating globally. Because the problem is now we have data that shows us that February 2020, January 2020, was not the first time that this virus was in this on this earth, it was circulating across 2019, and we are, you now 2018. This our immune systems had seen this or similar before. That is why most of everyone was not susceptible in terms of severe outcomes from the get go. Okay. And the point I'm making is, dark people, malevolent people with ill intent. Decided to use this coronavirus. Remember what I just said? It was yeah. circulating at a low yeah. level, yeah. low level illness. Mm-hmm. But around February, March of 2020, okay. they decided to detect it for the first time. Yeah. All right. Isn't so let that- me
0: ask you now. Uh, we're on to something here in the in the moments we have left. This is important because we're really getting to a crescendo here. Um, I, I I subscribe to what you're saying. I, I, I do understand exactly what you mean. And I do know the study you're talking about. And yes, yes. and what was, and you point out some very important stuff there, uh, Dr. Alexander, talking about what was circulating already uh, to the yes. degree that it, yeah, yeah. No, I'm totally with you. And I think listeners have to hear that. Now, with that said, so i think what you're saying let me recap and then tell me this is right or wrong in our final closing moments here but uh, so this thing i think it's fair to say was weaponized then it was the word i would use would be weaponized it was weaponized uh, yes. we could have easily handled whatever was there from a natural uh, state of nature but it was yes. weaponized it was weaponized against human beings against humanity against we the people is weaponized against all citizens of the world Yes. And then so and you have those culprits. And I like uh, I, I believe what you're saying is accurate. There are those people that were so evil at the core. Yes. I mean, I call those kind of people, Dr. Paul, Satan disciples, but there are those Satanist disciples. That's my words now. And there are those people that propagated this and weaponized it to put it out there. But then what happened is the the healthcare community as a whole began to line up like rats on a ship. Even yes. the lunch for breakfast, dinner, lunch. Those people, yes. a lot of that, and the system itself, and the hospitals, and all of that. Those yes. may not be part of those other weaponized people, but they were correct. part of the greed factor. Is that correct?
1: Correct. And they saw the the, wow. the, the opportunity to make money. Wow. They so they had multiple players feeding wow. off of this virus. They wow. knew it was it was circulating low level, mm. and they knew the mm. Trump was unstoppable yeah. in yeah. January. And they decided then that we will detect it with this fraud PCR over cycle test with a cycle count of 40. When we knew over 24 cycles, it was viral dust and junk virus you were detecting. So we will denote everyone as positive, knowing 95% were false positive. And we will shut the society down, shut schools down. Because I'm telling you, people in the deep state, because of my accent, because of my personality. Because people think, well, this guy is a brother. He's from the islands. Yeah, I'm a high-level scientist. I was schooled in Oxford. I went all over. I went to Johns Hopkins. I went to University of Toronto. I know I work in with the President of the United States. This guy is a brother, but he's probably a Democrat. So they felt that they could confide in me. They felt we could sit down in the lunchroom, the executive lunchroom, where Alex is. I was sat. And yes, they sat with me. And the things they told me, They told me bluntly, Malcolm, our job, these are people, even Trump appointees, our job is to ensure that every single day under the Trump administration, the country appears ungovernable, unmanageable, chaotic, Mm -hmm. as though he knows nothing of what he's doing. So his pandemic response would look chaotic. Mm -hmm. That's the key. They toppled Trump using this virus That's what that book is trying to tell people. Don't only think about stolen votes on November 3rd. Trump was being hollowed out from the inside Mm. by his own people. Mm. That's why when Scott Atlas wrote his book, this title was The Plague in Our House. That's what he was trying to say. It was from in that White House, in the government, the deep state, it is real. I worked with them. They're not people running around with rifles inside the White House. The deep state is the bureaucracy. Those people, 20, 25, 30 years, who think they own the government, they run things. They told me the president only visits here. We run this place. That's the key. Wow.
0: Yeah, I just take a moment there to collect our thoughts, uh, everybody, because the conversation we just have, Paul, is profound. You know that. I know that profound and i gave yeah.
1: it and i gave it to you yeah
0: yeah it's profound one of the most consequential conversations i've had today i mean i've got goosebumps running all over my body right this moment and naturally i'm angry but i'm also juiced up i want to yeah, We kick... must
1: be angry malcolm yeah. i am angry telling it to you i'm yeah. so angry what they did yeah what yeah. they did was vile yeah Vile.
0: I, yeah i want to kick these evil bastards in the ass yes. paul you know yeah yeah it's pretty sick, pretty sick. Um, well, this was so important right now. Uh, let me just tell you all truthfully. I I could not cut Dr. Paul Alexander out of this this very important information. You never know where these programs are going, friends. This is authentic talk radio. It's it's authentic. Uh, is, is, you know, it's, it's as authentic as can be. It's people that speak from their heart to their soul. Yes. Um, yeah, that's important, Paul. And so I, I wanted to go, so I went a little longer on this. Um. What, as we bring this to the airwaves now, and you're listening to it, I'm going to cut off my uh, much of my monologue in the front. It's unnecessary. We don't need to hear that. I want to get right to the crux of it and get Paul in here. It was quite remarkable. Now, that book, I we must all read this book, obviously, Presidential Takedown. Anthony Fauci, the CDC, NIH, and the WHO conspired to overthrow President Trump. Uh, Dr. Paul Alexander puts it out there in uh, vivid daylight, as you can just hear his tone and where he's at. It it, it begins to make some sense now. It's all I'm saying. Just leave that, uh, just let me leave that final thought with you, friends. It begins to make some sense. That's all I'm saying. And now in this fight of good and evil, and now I know when Paul Alexander says to me in my ear, you know... I, I, I totally get it. I totally, totally, totally get it. And he says to me, you know, Malcolm, I still, I, I support what Trump was doing. And I support that agenda. And I will support this movement no matter what. But I surely do support him as well as a human being. And I totally get what you mean with that, Paul. I totally do. You know, I totally yes. do. Yeah, I yes. I get you, brother. I get you. I, I, I have the same sense that you did. The outrage. Yes. That transpired there. I I, I hope uh, that uh, President Trump can even hear this conversation that we might, uh, I don't know, clip this off and send it to him or something. But he really yes. needs to hear the passion of people who really love and respect uh, the work that he did. And, and again, as I tell people all the time, he is definitely consequential and historical. They're never going to be able to take that away no matter what they do. It doesn't matter, well, you know. Well. Right. No. I mean, now we're going to have to write the next chapter, though. You know that, Paul. We're going yes. To write the next
1: yes. Chapter. So we're not. We're going to keep in this fight. Yeah. We have a yep. nation to save, Malcolm. We have and a nation to save.
0: We have a nation to save. And let me tell folks right now, if you're listening to this broadcast and you stayed with us to the end, I'll make a big announcement right now. I don't have all the details for you, but I'm going to make the announcement just because we're super excited about it, and that is that uh, Dr. Paul Alexander uh, will be bringing his own daily broadcast. That's right. It's hard to imagine. To America, on Loud Talk Radio, it's called, drumroll please, the the Dr. Paul Alexander Liberty Hour. Wow, wow, wow. How does that sound? Man, man, man. And you, as we've been talking about it for some time, you and I, you were on fire the other day and talking to me off the mic, of course, about us, you have such passion and, So anyways, we're carving out, I don't have any more details than that right now, but I'm going to tell you, that's the first time you've heard it right here. In the new year, that's right, just weeks ahead here. We're working on it right now. The format, the program, the show, the man, all of it, Dr. Paul Alexander Liberty Hour. And I am so proud, Paul, to have you, my brother, here on this network and this mission arm-in-arm I thank you from just all of the work you do from the bottom of my heart. Absolutely love you, Paul Alexander, man.
1: Same. Same, Malcolm. Thank yeah. you very much.
0: hundred percent. Yeah. And so on that note, friends, uh, you know, I meant to tell you when we came back from the pause house, had another friend of both Paul's and mine, uh, Tom Rents, who's just a remarkable another, just, oh, man remarkable man just a terrific human being you know you love people like that you know I, just, I think about me as a kid in the candy shop i get to play with all these people you know me i'm just running around like it's like having the greatest time uh to uh work with these uh, folks here but the Tom Brent show kicks off next Wednesday, the 21st, right in this time slot of 6 o'clock PM Eastern Time. The Tom Brent show. He'll bring it all to you. Uh, like Paul, he'll have a political uh, piece of it. The, 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 uh, the, the health freedom movement piece of it, uh, the societal cultural piece of it, uh, the, the real talk. It's it's called real talk. You know what I mean? It's everything that we talk about at the water cooler. And that's the kind of stuff that Tom Rens will be having as well. And that kicks off next week. We're excited about that. This show will go silent at that point. <laughs> you never thought you could silence Mr. Out Loud, right? Well, here it is. Of course, I'll be on mm-hmm. Viewpoint this Sunday on the weekend with you uh, to be sure, bringing on great, great guests and great voices in our nation. But we, I will have another announcement later in January about where I go from here on The Voice of a Nation. But this is time for me to take a few weeks, um, recollect my thoughts, uh, get ready for this exciting new year, and bring on voices like Tom and Dr. Paul Alexander, and others. I can't share that with you yet, the others, but there's a lot of exciting things happening here on the platform. So friends, stay close by, uh, buckle your seatbelt up, and let's all get out loud and uh that's it raise it all a little bit higher thank you my friends for joining me on the mission here it's time to get involved and get loud america